welcome to episode 22 of Adventure Within Reason. I'm Kelly. And I'm Dave. And we are here to talk to you about the Lake Sudan, nope, Lake Vermilion <laughs> Sudan Underground Mine State Park. Wow, that one is a mouthful. And this was another one. I don't remember what one. I think it's park number seven on our eight or nine park trip this summer, summer of 2022. Yeah, it's a mouthful of a name. I don't know that I've ever gotten it right without stopping and saying it very, very slowly, kind of like you just did. Uh, we should say a little disclaimer. Uh, we didn't actually spend any time at the Lake Vermilion half of this state park. This is one of those state parks that's kind of like two in one. And we spent all of our time at the Sudan underground mine uh, portion of it. So if you're looking for, you know, tidbits and anecdotes about the uh, the other half of the park, you'll have to you'll have to seek out another Minnesota State Park podcast. You know, I was I finally got to meet one of our listeners, uh, David. Hello. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Bearhead Lake and your camping up there. But he and I were chatting uh, earlier this week about how no matter what park we've gone to, and David and I talk about this all the time, there's so much to do that even one podcast episode can't possibly scratch the surface of any of these state parks. So we really concentrated on the Sudan side of this park. Unfortunately, the mining tours are closed during 2022. They're doing some shaft repair to make sure that nothing falls in on anyone while they are taking the tour. So we weren't able to do that, but we were able to do the hiking club, which we'll get into in a little bit. But David has a little tidbit that he'd like to talk to everyone about. Yeah, before I go into that, I'll just reiterate. Yeah, our, our podcast is not meant to be a comprehensive account of these parks. It's, it's as much a personal journey or a personal journey. I suppose it is a personal journey. Uh, it's as much a personal journal as anything else. So, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about starting your own parks podcast, you know, you're not going to step on our toes. So go ahead and go for it. Previously, we had alluded to doing like a, a history segment on this episode. There's a lot of a lot of labor history in particular in, in northern Minnesota on the Iron Range in particular. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a, a sort of a knowledgeable enough guest. I'm sure as hell not going to do any uh, research. So what I'm going to do... You can't say hell on the air. <laughs> no, that's it's okay. I, yeah, we, we, we try to keep it pretty, pretty PG. Uh, we can edit that out. Um, yeah, I'm sure as heck not going to do any real research. I'm not an academic and I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, put any real academic work into this. But what I'll tell you is that if you're interested in that aspect of Minnesota history, do what I did when I was a teenager and get yourself a copy of Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. Um, there's a lot in there about not, not just not just mine workers in, in, in Minnesota history, but about sort of the, all, all of the, the sort of, uh, as the name alludes to, the, the people's history that you weren't really taught in schools. So maybe in lieu of, of putting our foot putting our collective feet in our, our respective mouths and doing uh, doing something that we're really not cut out to do. I will just read words that kind of inspire me um, day to day, uh, being, a, being a working stiff. Um, I, I'm sort of reminded of, of, of um, the work that the industrial workers of the world did in the early part of the last century um, on the, the Minnesota Iron Range and elsewhere. This is the preamble to the IWW Constitution. And before I read it, I'll just remind listeners that at one point, the IWW was so active in northern Minnesota that there were not one, but two, possibly even more, daily newspapers. There was an English language and a Finnish language newspaper that were put out because there were so many 
immigrant workers that were looking for alternatives during the depression to, to, to our, our prevailing economic order. And these words, I think, ring true as, as they did um, in 1905. These words, I think, ring as true now here in 2022 as they did in 1905 when they were first uh, made the official preamble of the IWW. The working class and the employing class have nothing in common. There can be no peace so long as hunger and want are found among millions of the working people, and the few who make up the employing class have all the good things in life. Between these two classes, a struggle must go on until the workers of the world organize as a class take possession of the means of production, abolish the wage system, and live in harmony with the earth. So that being said, let's talk about something a little less controversial, a little less, uh, um, you know, fiery and rhetorical. And let's talk about our own experience uh, visiting what's left of the Sudan underground mine, which I think wrapped up mine productions in, was it the 60s or was it the 70s? Do you remember? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, there are, you know, as Kelly said a moment ago, there are guided tours you can do. There was one going on that just was like an above ground tour that you could you could take. There's also lots of uh, interpretive signs in the park center and around the park center so that you can learn um, what all this machinery is, like what it was used for, how, how it was part of the iron extraction process. And it's pretty interesting. I'll just leave it at that. If, if you want to learn more about uh, how iron was mined uh, at that time in Minnesota. Check out the Sudan underground mine, and just even if you don't take the you know the guided tour, there's a there's just a wealth of uh, interpretive signs all over the park center, and you can learn uh, to your heart's content about how, about the, the nuts and bolts of how all that worked. Um, what we that's kind of what we chose to do instead of taking the guided tour. But what we mostly did at this park was we walked around the uh, the hiking club trail, which I believe was about. Was it two and a half or three miles? Two and a half. Two and a half miles. So, you know, pretty, I would say, average to maybe short as far as hiking club trails go. Um, some of them are five or so, five or more miles. Some of them are only one or two. You know, we, we were there in like the kind of the, the hottest part of summer, I would say. So it was a little bit humid and a little bit hot, right? Oh, I think, David, you might actually be confusing this. I have in my book, I have cool to warm and sunny. Oh, okay. But yeah, maybe I'm thinking of um, one or two of the other days of our vacation. You might still be remembering scenic and what a hot yeah, yeah. day that one was. Yeah, that's the thing is that, you know, we're recording this several weeks out from our vacation, or I guess it's been like a month by now. Oh, I wish yeah. we were still on it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, always next year. Um, that's the thing with memory. Sometimes even, the, I, I think I commented on this while we were on vacation is that even when you're experiencing it, you know, a week-long vacation, in the midst of all that, your memories start to blur together. And that's, you know, that's why we're doing the podcast. That's why we keep our, our journals and um, is to hopefully, you know, c- get some of that information down, get get some of our experiences down so that they're not lost to the, the foggy memory, our, our foggy memories, basically. So I'll get the birding report out of the way. Um, early on, I would say like in the first mile or so of the hiking club trail, we uh, spotted a bunch of warblers that were unfortunately not identified by us because they just would not sit still. The warblers we did identify, uh, we saw a pair of black and white warblers that were really, really cool to see. I think I even got a short video of them uh, singing. If I can, if I can find that, we'll we'll stick that in the episode so that you can you can uh, hear what we heard on the hiking club trail. Uh, 
other than that, though, I think we we, we may have saw a northern flicker or two. And um, were there other birds? That I were actually have something to contribute to the birding report. This oh, week. yeah. What am I forgetting? You were not with me. You were trying to identify those warblers uh-huh. and the adventurers. The number one issue, it's not really an issue. The difference David and I have in hiking is that he is very patient and will sit there and watch and try to identify birds for a long time or what feels like a long time. And I am not a patient person. (laughs) So often I will walk uh, along the trail ahead of him. And this time it actually paid off to my advantage because two pileated woodpeckers flew within 15 feet of me. Oh, that's so cool. They just flew right past me. And uh, normally I don't have great luck with pileateds, but it was awesome to finally see them. And I am always astounded by how huge they are. Yeah, magnificent birds. Um, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I see them pretty often, even here in the city. We're pretty close to a little little place called Robert's Bird Sanctuary, which is kind of on the southwest corner of the city by Lake Harriet. And um, any time of year you go there, you're likely to see pileated woodpeckers. But it, it you know, it's, it it doesn't diminish my appreciation for them to see them on our state park adventures. And Kelly, yeah, your your luck is turning. Um, yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think about what else about this hiking club trail stood out. The main note that I have in my notebook is how good the air smelled, which was just sort of a recurring theme for us while we were in this coniferous section of the state. So it was like uh, walking through a Christmas tree lot. (laughs) Yeah. Years ago, I did a landscaping job. This was in my uh, late 20s, early 30s. Can't recall offhand. And um, I just associate that with that job because among my, among other job duties, I would occasionally work with one of the more experienced, uh, we, we were called garden maintenance technicians, which is a very, oh, what's the word? Well, no, it's, it's a little, it's a little too wordy. You know, there's people, I think sometimes people tend to add, add unnecessary words to job titles to make them sound, you know, more impressive. But anyway, it, it was a, it was a great job in some ways. I learned a lot about plants and such, but I learned a, a bit about what go the work that kind of goes into making holiday wreaths. I even I even worked on holiday wreaths for the governor's mansion uh, that that summer because it, it was a summer job that kind of spilled over into the fall. Anyway, um, smelling the aromas of of um, you know balsam and different pine trees that's kind of something I just associate with Christmas season. But you know, I guess if you live up north, it's something that you just sort of take for granted because there's always that you know that just array of, of aromas in the air. And it's, uh, it's special to us. It's novel to us because we don't, you know, usually experience that being down here in Southern Minnesota. This hiking club trail had some small runs of kind of technical hiking. So really watching where you're putting your feet. Yeah. Lots of roots on the ground. Lots of roots, yeah. lots of rocks. It was also just a beautiful hike. It uh, kind of circled a pit mine lake. <laughs> I always have to think that one through. It circled the pit mine lake and it was just generally beautiful, David. Yeah, I think the trail like does circle it, but I think we only went on one side of it, right? If I'm remembering correctly. There there wasn't a pit mine lake between us and the uh the parks building. I think we just I think we just did one portion of the trail, but I think if if you were so inclined, you could have gone like a different path than we did and gone around uh, a pit mine lake. Or I, I guess people do activities on the water too, right? I'm not certain if this is one of the ones where the water uh, is open, but oh, okay. the sort of interesting, one of the interesting things about this hike is that depending on which way you do it, because it's a loop trail, 
you end walking up a pretty steep hill on the road, on the park road to get into the park. And on that hill, we found what were the last... Yeah, what? the last raspberries of the summer. I was yeah, trying to remember yeah. if we had any at Bearhead Lake, but the last raspberries of the summer, and we identified choke cherries, but did not pick any of them. Yeah, that's. Um, it w- w- I was pretty certain that's what they were, but we got we finished the trail, got back up to the rangers station, and confirmed with them that that's what they were. As with a lot of wild edibles, there's often like multiple names. I always refer to them as choke berries. But apparently they're choke cherries, choke berries. There's, if you look at the Wikipedia, there's, there's like, I want to say like half a dozen different common names for them. So maybe there's something to be said for, for the argument that we should only refer to these things by the scientific Latin name. But I don't know. That seems a little doctrinaire to me. I, 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 I like, I like the charm of, of common names. I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah, we didn't harvest any of the choke cherries, but it's, uh, it's always good to learn a little bit about, you know, the, the wild edibles that are out there and know that. You know, you can't. You could, if you're so inclined, um, you know, harvest those and, and make use of them in one way or another. Well, I think part of the problem is that choke cherries. You need to do so much to them, like you need to make them into jam yeah, to make them yeah. even palatable. So, but yeah, getting the last wild raspberries of the season was was great. I mean, it's always great to find raspberries out there, and you, yeah, they they just they taste great. I mean, they're smaller than the ones you get at the supermarket, but it's. Uh, you know, you can't beat the price. So. They're also more tart, which I actually quite enjoy. Yeah. The You know, David, it just occurred to me, we didn't see a single blackberry this season. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we haven't. I'm not sure why that is. We didn't go to William O'Brien, which is where the big blackberry uh-huh. brambles are. So if you were out to William O'Brien, I hope you did the hiking club trail and you ate some blackberries. I know we've got a few listeners out there who have recently done William O'Brien State Park. So yeah, I concur. I hope you found some blackberries because they're delicious. Yeah. The other thing I really loved about this park, David, or the part of the park that we were in was that huge picnic shelter that they had. Yeah. Right by the, um, right by the, the, the part of the park at Sudan underground mine, where you can read all the interpretive signs and all that. There's a small little parking lot where we parked and immediately adjacent to that is a really great, uh, just sort of simple, uh, would you call it a pavilion? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just a park pavilion and you can, um, have a picnic there, which is what we did in the trunk of our car, uh, for the, for the duration of the vacation, uh, we had a little, um, propane grill that we've made use of every single day, I think. And this was the only time we made use of it away from a campsite. And we, it was kind of just a spur of the moment thing. You know, we said, you know, we, we just walked a few miles. I'm kind of hungry. I, you know, let's, let's, let's just have lunch here. And I think I got that thing going and yeah, had a simple, simple lunch of uh, hot dogs and pickles and chips. I don't know. Yeah. That was, that was the end of that. We went to the co-op in Virginia and then we bought some actual uh, green food. <laughs> yeah, that was after this, wasn't it? That it was, was, yeah. Yeah, we found, what's that lettuce we really like? That's like real tender. Butter lettuce. Butter lettuce. Man, that stuff is so good. And yeah, we, we weren't eating a lot of greens on this on this vacation, unfortunately. But yeah, we got to, we found this little co-op in, uh, it's called Virginia, Minnesota, Virginia, right? Virginia, Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, it's a really charming little town. Uh, next time we're up in that area, I want to spend some more time there. But uh, yeah, they had a co-op there that was... Uh, kind of the same business model as a lot of the co-ops here, uh, a lot of the same products and such and really amazing produce section. I don't know why we're giving a, uh, giving a plug to them, but uh, I guess we haven't mentioned them by name, but yeah. So something I plan to do a little bit differently next time we do an extended uh, state parks vacation is to find ways to 
incorporate fruits and vegetables into our daily <laughs> into our daily diet. I mean, we, we ate pretty well on this trip, but I yeah, well, I remember we had some of that lettuce uh, with some crackers and cheese, and it was just man, I, I could just tell my body had been missing that like basic nourishment of like real food. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is actually kind of an interesting question to talk about, David, because I know we have at least one listener who really likes campfire cooking and gets yeah. very into it. And I know yeah. you and I, when we're camping, it's like eating is an afterthought. Like we want to spend so much time out on trails or on paddle boards or doing whatever that it's like, what can we put into our body that no, requires no, I, the I least did, amount I, of time? That's, I, th I think you're projecting there, Kelly. <laughs> I, I, put, I put a fair amount of thought into, into eating. I'm, I'm always, I still have, you know, I have a healthy appetite. I used to be a very, very skinny guy. And in my early to mid twenties, I, I started making the conscious effort to eat three square meals a day. What, what, what I prefer though is simple food. That doesn't mean non-nourishing food, but I, I prefer, I like to stay as far away from gourmet, uh, that gourmet mentality as possible. So uh, when camping, I like simple things like chili, hot dogs, pickles, things like that. But what I would like to do differently, as I said a moment ago, next time is like, how can we plan it so that we are getting like at least some vegetables every day. You know? This is like embarrassing to admit that we avoid no, vegetables for a week. <laughs> no, I mean, this is good. I mean, technically everything we ate came from vegetables, in, in, but I mean, like, like a vegan hot dog is not the same thing as like a salad, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's got nutrients. Sure. It's got a lot of sodium. It's got a lot of flavor, but you know, you should, we, should, this is, no, this is good. I, I think we, should, this is kind of an impromptu segment, like, like staying nourished on a camping trip when you're kind of living out of a cooler and, you know, just like dry goods that you've got in the trunk of your car. Um, how do you do that so that you're eating food you like, but also eating food that is, um, is healthy and giving you what you, what your body needs. Yeah. I think these, this, this isn't, I know it's, it may, it may sound silly, but I think the, these are, uh, these are important questions. I mean, you, you, you want to have a good time and make the most of your time while you're on vacation, but you also want to, you want to get all the nutrients you need. Yeah. yeah. So if you have any great campfire recipes or easy camping recipes, we would love to hear them. Yeah. Send them our way. We know how to make them vegan if they are not already. So, yeah, I think, you know, not to belabor the point too much, but I think doing work in advance, like, you know, baking some granola to take with you out there, baking some, uh, some energy balls as our friend Charlie calls them. That could, that could be, <laughs> that could be beneficial. Um, but yeah, just when you're there, like, you, you want hot food, you want nourishing food. So I, that's why I, I kind of lean more toward things like uh, chilies and stuff. But but yeah, I don't know, maybe like um, good sandwiches, sandwiches that aren't just like the salty good stuff that have like some fresh produce on there. Yeah. But I don't know, I guess if, if you're somewhere that you don't have access to like a good supermarket, you know, there, there are limits to what you can um, what you can pack with you and kind of keep fresh. So I don't know. Maybe we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, by all means, send us your recipes. If you have some tried and true road recipes, uh, camping recipes, um, we're, we're, yeah, we're eager to hear hear what they are. So send us an email, adventurewithinreason at gmail.com. <laughs> you, you can send us recipes. You can request our, uh, our, our postcards that we had printed up a while ago. Oh, this is a good, this is a good point maybe to plug something else we're going to have printed up. Pretty soon we're going to have podcast stickers that if you are, uh, if you're interested in, let us know and we'll put you on the mailing list to receive some Adventure Within Reason stickers. Uh, we're, we're in, I, I got an estimate from the print shop not too long ago. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to confirm that order and uh, 
send them out to all of our listeners in Minnesota and elsewhere. If you want a, a podcast sticker, let us know. We'll send one to you. I also think that it's a good opportunity because if you're listening to these as they come out, you should be hearing this on October 7th. So know that we are having an adventure within reason group hike. Anybody who wants to come, we're having a group hike and a vegan dog grill up at Nurstrand Big Woods State Park down in... That's near, um, why do we always forget the name of that town? Oh, Northfield. Northfield. It's near Northfield. The college town. Uh, Carlton, let me see if I can remember this. Carlton and what's the other university? Is it St. Olaf? St. Olaf and Carlton. Uh, Yeah, Northfield, Minnesota. Um, Do you remember the date that we're doing that? It is. I'm looking at the calendar right now. It's October 15th. Yeah, so if if you're hearing this and uh, you're listening to it before that date, just know that this is something that I think we want to start doing pretty regularly. Maybe not in the winter months, but six to eight months out of the year, I think we want to do, you know, occasional group hikes, like a like a meetup. And we've got this one planned in Northfield, Minnesota, on October fifteenth. Um, if you want to know more about that, and you're on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group page, Adventure Within Reason Podcast. Uh, is what you want to enter into the search bar on there. And we post lots of updates behind the scenes kind of stuff about the podcast. And um, yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to hang out with you and go on a short hike there. I don't think we've decided how long of a hike we're going to do there, but probably at least a couple miles. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah. And at some point uh, we're not, they're not always going to be in or around the twin cities. At some point we wanted to try to do group hikes in, uh, in Northern Minnesota. I don't know if we have any listeners in, in Western Minnesota. Or I guess maybe Jeff is in Western Minnesota. Your yeah, Jeff, I'm not right? certain. Yes, suffice it to say, we will. Um, we have this goal of doing um, semi-regular adventure within reason hike meetups. So uh, I know we have some listeners up north, and we we, we definitely have some listeners uh, here in south southeast Minnesota. So uh, get in touch if you're if you live elsewhere, and we can try to schedule a meetup in your area. And yeah, it's it's always fun to meet listeners, and it's something that we're only recently starting to do you know we, we met tiffany and katie recently no jill and katie we haven't met tiffany yet. Oh, i'm sorry I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry jill i'm sorry we met jill and katie recently uh we're probably going to meet tiffany and her husband at some point i met david this week <laughs> yeah you met you met david uh who lives here in minneapolis somehow our paths have never crossed up until now yeah we're uh we're we're, we're looking forward to meeting more listeners and uh and just hearing other perspectives on these parks, because, you know, we've said it before, we'll say it again. This this isn't a comprehensive thing. This is about our personal experiences. And we know everyone has uh, different experiences at these parks, depending on when they go there, what time of year, what they did there, et cetera. So, yeah, send us an email, join our Facebook group page. Tell us tell us your experiences about these parks. And, um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll start doing like a mailbag portion of the podcast. Where sure. We can, we can we can read thoughts from from other other folks out there and what they're what they're up to. Yep. So we hope to see you on the fifteenth. It'll be an early morning ish hike, probably around nine or so. David, would you say? Yeah, I think we're planning on meeting around nine, maybe yep. ten, and we'll we'll do a short hike and then we'll have a little picnic afterward. Kind of bring your own if you want. We'll be we'll be providing apple cider and plant based hot dogs or sausages, bratwurst, whatever. And um, if you want to bring a bag of chips or something, that'd be great. Or if you want to bring something green to eat, that would also be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bring some spinach and carrots. That'll, that'll be good, too. <laughs> okay. Well, until then, adventurers, we, as always, we really liked the state park. Uh, there is much more to see. There is an entire 3,000 acres over at Lake Vermilion that we didn't even get to. So. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Well, until next week, adventurers. Take care.